All right, well, we're in a sermon series called Transitions for Growth, and um, I was working on a sermon, what I thought was going to be the sermon for today, but maybe will be a sermon for uh, another time, because God gave me a different direction uh, during our Growing with Grace small group last week. Um, We didn't meet this week because of weather. Glad you guys all made it through our three days of winter. I'm glad you survived. And, <laughs> and, um, but last week we were um, sitting right over here at the table, at Brianna Taylor's table, and, um, and she asked us about, um, she asked me, you know, Pastor Joe, what were you thinking when you put together that sermon? Not like that. She was like, just give me your thoughts behind it and all. And, and, and I've got to talking about it. And, um, and uh, this message right in the middle of the small group those of you who are there will remember this i'm like i think i need to preach on this next as follow-up to my sermon on if you remember a couple weeks ago i talked about being faithful in small things and before you're given more and we're talking about growing transitioning for growth you got to start where you are if you're going to go farther if you're going to transition you got to be faithful with small things you remember and secondly you got to be faithful with other people's things before you're given your own and thirdly, you've got to be faithful with money. Boy, y'all, y'all missed that one. I need to preach today on being faithful with money. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm preaching. But you need to go back and listen to that sermon again. Um, being faithful with other people's things, being faithful with money, being faithful in small things. Those got to happen, Jesus says, before you're given more. And... I just felt led to, to preach this message, and it's kind of a follow-up and an amplification of that. And this message is called, First Be Fruitful, Then Multiply. First be fruitful, then multiply. And it's based on a very important scripture from the Bible. It was found all the way back at the beginning with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Uh, God was giving them the purpose for life and instructions for life. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, God said, Let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We see uh, several truths here that I'm not going to preach on today, just to, but just to, to kind of warm up into the sermon. We, first of all, we see uh, God created man. Man did not happen by chance. There was no chance involved. In the creation of the universe or the creation of man. Second, all we see, we see here that God created two genders, male and female. Period. That was it. I, I, I did a Google search this morning. I just felt led to do it. How many genders are there? And I saw all these different websites and started out like 48, 76, 100. And finally, I, the, the, I found the one that says a thousand gender chart. And so, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a thousand of them in people's minds. But God created two. Not preaching on that today, but just I want to let you know, God created two. And, and I find it interesting that the Bible says God made man. Let us make man. God made man, and God created man. Now listen to me right now. 
This is important. God said, let us make man in our image. The Hebrew word for make means to form from something else. To fashion. Literally to, to, to squeeze like a potter squeezes clay. It means that, to form, to fashion, to squeeze, to, to put it together. The Hebrew word for create means to make something out of nothing. In theology, it's called ex nihilo, out of nothing. God creates out of nothing. It's like, I, I, this just came to me, I, just, I hope I remember this right, this old joke, this old story of a scientist who thought he knew everything, and, and he one day challenged God that I can do whatever you can do. Science can do what you do. Science can do what you do. So we can even, we can even, we can even create people. We can do it just like you. And God said, okay, you go first. And, and the man reached down and, and, and scooped up some dirt. And God said, whoop, first of all, you got to make your own dirt <laughs> out of nothing. <laughs> End of experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And in the Bible, when this word, this Hebrew word for create is used, out of nothing, it's only used in relation to God. Yeah. Nobody else. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. Satan cannot create out of nothing. Only God can create something out of nothing. This whole universe that came out of nothing, and the scientists try to figure out, well, what is the, what is the origins of it? And, and, and many of them finally come to a place of realizing there, has to, there is some intelligent design here. There had to be a, a creator, and, and God, only God can do it. So, so man, listen, we, man and woman, when I say man in this context, it's humankind, we are created, we are a, an integration of parts that were created out of something and parts that were created out of nothing. God made and God created. And here's where we see it in Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed a man, fashioned him like potter and clay, put him together out of the dust of the ground, and breathe. The breath of God. Breathe into his nostrils a breath of life. Spirit. Body, soul, spirit. He created a body. Breathed into it his spirit. And man became a living soul. God took something he had already made. Dirt. And combined it with something unmade his spirit, and man became a living soul. And that makes us spirit, soul, and body. God made us, and God created us. It's an awesome thing. He created us in his image. And, and when he's talking about in his image, he's not talking about physical likeness, but the fact that we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings with physical bodies, and one day our physical bodies die, but our spiritual being lives on forever. 
And after God made man, the Bible says God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. We see God's original purposes for us here. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Subdue means to conquer, to make, to, to dominate. I, I like the way the Amplified Version says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, using all its vast resources in the service of God and man. I like that. To have the dominion means to, to rule over, to prevail against. God created us to have dominion on this earth. We're not to dominate people, but we're to have dominion over the resources of this earth. And God has given us dominion over Satan and his demons. Amen. He's given us authority over all the works of the devil. Amen. We have that authority. So in our lives, we need to be subduing things, and we need to be conquering and taking new ground, and we need to be taking a, a dominion over all the works of the enemy in our life, in our family, in our business. I mean, we are in a war, and we need to be in constant warfare to subdue those things that are coming against us. Don't just sit back and say, well, here it comes again. I'm going to brace myself. No, you need to take dominion over it in the name of Jesus. Then it says, with all that in mind, it says, be fruitful and then multiply. And I always thought the commands to be fruitful and multiply were, were basically the same thing. But I, I've learned that they're not exactly the same thing. And, 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 and it's more to do, uh, it's, it's got more to do than just with procreation, with having children. It's a principle in every area of life. And now literally it is talking about having children. But it's a principle about our productivity in life as people, as Christians, in our families, in our work, in our business. And if we're going to transition for growth, which is what we are teaching on, we've got to first learn to be fruitful and then multiply. To be fruitful means to bear fruit, to show some results from your work. If I hired you to rake the leaves in my yard and a couple hours later I go out there and all the leaves are still there and you want to get paid, I'm like, hold on a second here. You are not fruitful in your labor. What did you do? The leaves are still there. When you're fruitful, you can see some results. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then to multiply means to increase greatly, to have abundance, to, to make larger. It literally means to make greater, to become more numerous. And we all need this principle at work in our lives to be fruitful and then to multiply. Listen, you've got to get the order correctly. You've got to get the order correct. First be fruitful, then multiply. People sometimes make a mistake of believing that somehow expanding will increase our, our, pro, our, our profitability. They think that sometimes in business. However, it's rarely true. The, you've probably heard the old joke. I heard it a lot because I was in retail for many years about the, the store owner who said, I'm losing money. I'm losing money on every item I sell, but I'm going to make it up in volume." Now, I understand, being a retailer for many years, you have what's called loss leaders. Stores intentionally sell stuff they lose money on. Come in here and buy this for 
$5 and it costs them $7. They're losing money every time they sell one. But the goal is once they get you in your, their store, you're going to buy other stuff that they make money on. But this guy was losing money on everything and thought he was going to make it up in volume. He was totally wrong because if you lose money on everything you sell, the more you sell, the more you lose. You've got to be fruitful before you multiply. In some cases, expansion does not cure unprofitability. It increases it. First, we've got to become fruitful or profitable. Then we can expand. You've got to grow a tree before you can grow a forest. You've got to grow an apple before you can grow an orchard. You've got to grow a disciple before you can grow a church. You've got to be a productive employee before you can grow a business. Think back to having children. You, you must be fruitful. You must be fruitful, able to bear fruit before you can multiply and have children. Sterile men and women are not fruitful. They cannot multiply. By the way, side note, neither can same-sex couples. One of the reasons we don't, we don't believe in same-sex marriage God created marriage, go all the way back to Genesis, he created them, man and woman, said you leave your families, you're joined together, and the man and woman will become one. What God hath joined together, man and woman, let not man put asunder. God created marriage from men and women, and then he uniquely designed them to be fruitful and multiply. Listen to Malachi 2.15. God made husbands and wives to become one body and one spirit for his purpose so that they would have children who are true to God. One of God's main purposes for marriage is to have children. That alone there says only a man and a woman can be united in marriage in God's sight. God's purpose is for us to be fruitful, then to multiply so what does all this have to do with our lives, with our work, with, with our business, with our family? In every area of our life, we've got to first be fruitful, then multiply. Don't reverse the order. Listen, listen close. If you multiply before you, you're fruitful, what do you multiply? Unfruitfulness. If you multiply before you're functional, you multiply dysfunction. If you multiply before things are in order, you multiply disorder. If you multiply before you're profitable, you multiply unprofitability. If you multiply before you're mature, you multiply immaturity. If you multiply before you're healthy, you multiply unhealthiness. Be fruitful and make sure it's good fruit. Because you can multiply good fruit or you can multiply bad fruit. I'll give you an example of multiplying before something was fruitful. If you remember back in, in the days when the Affordable Health Care Act was passed, I think it was around 2010, and, and the government spent over $600 million on this website, healthcare.gov, for people to sign up for insurance. Remember that? It took three years to build. And a website of that magnitude cost $600 million. And a website of that magnitude normally requires four to six months of rigorous testing. They tested that website for four days and under pressure rolled it out. And they rolled out an unfruitful website and multiplied it to the whole nation. And it was a huge failure 
because nobody could get on it. The thing kept constantly crashing, and it cast huge doubt on the Affordable Care Act because, after all, if the government can't even make a website work, how are they going to make health care work? They multiplied unfruitfulness in the minds of people. That's what happened. You've got to be fruitful before you multiply. You've got to test things and make sure it works before you send it out. I think back when I used to work for Family Christian Stores, they tested change at every level. They had a model store in the home office, and before they ever did a computer change for a cash register or the stores, they tested it in the model store first. If it worked there, then they tried it in one store. If it worked in that one store, then they tried work uh, tested in a group of stores and if it worked in the group then they would roll it out to the chain but they didn't multiply it until they were sure it was fruitful and there are people now who want to launch something big they i want to launch a chain of stores without first opening one store it's foolishness you've got to first see that one store is fruitful before you can multiply it and if one store loses money, oh, that was a loser. Let's open a whole bunch more of them. No, you're just going to multiply losers. You want to fix it before you multiply it. It happens in the church world, too. I, I, there's, you know, right now, multi-site churches are a big thing where mega churches have satellite campuses around a city or around the nation or even around the world. And, I heard of one local mega church that wanted to get in on it, so they raised money at their, their big church, and they opened up two cam campuses in their city simultaneously, and neither did well, and ended up having to consolidate that, them down into one. What they should have done is started one. Make sure it works, get all the bugs out, have it working smoothly, then multiply it. Failing to do so caused them to multiply unfruitfulness. Are you getting this? I gave a church example, a business example, uh, and a, a government example. That's why it's important for this, this important biblical principle. That, that's why we have this, in principle, this principle. We've got to live by it. Don't despise small beginnings. The pattern of God always starts with a seed. Christianity started small. Jesus and 12 disciples, he poured himself into them. And when he left earth, there, there, he, he wanted them to bear fruit. And when he left, there was 120 people praying in an upper room. And he poured out his Holy Spirit on them. And God began to multiply the church. And eventually, he says, he multiplied the church greatly. But it started small. It became became fruitful before it multiplied. And you must become fruitful before you transition into multiplication and growth. Don't put off the fruitfulness. When I get up there, I'll really be fruitful. No, you got to be fruitful now. When the children of Israel possessed the promised land, it started small. They didn't take the whole land at once. God told them in Exodus 23, I'll establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, from the desert to the river. I will hand over to you the people who live in the land. You will drive them out before you. Listen, but I will not drive them out in a single year. Isn't it interesting? He said, you will drive. And then he said, I will not drive them out because their driving was basically him driving through them. I do, won't do it in a single year because the land will become desolate and wild animals too numerous for you. You don't even know the consequences sometimes of, uh, of growing so fast and you, there's unintended consequences you think you're ready for and God knows you're not. Sometimes you better thank God that things went small, started small and went slowly. <laughs> little by little, 
I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. That's God's way. That's God's plan. Same way when Zerubbabel began rebuilding the temple, God told him in Zechariah 4.10, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work began. And Americans are so impatient when it comes to growing businesses or ministries or churches. Don't despise small beginnings or you may multiply unfruitfulness. Be aware that the fruitful stage can be messy. That's why so many people quit in the small stages. By the way, I posted this on my Facebook page yesterday. My sermon was done. My PowerPoint was done, so I couldn't show you this picture. Uh, But you can look at my Facebook page to see it. And there's a picture of the Beatles, the band, the Beatles, playing in a club in 1961. And there was 18 people there. It was a room about the size of this with 18 people in there. Hardly nobody. The Beatles up there on stage. A year and a half later, they were selling out stadiums. But for years, they labored away in small little clubs, honing their craft, becoming fruitful, learning how to gel together as a band, learning how to write songs, and eventually it multiplied, and it multiplied greatly. Don't despise small beginnings. People come to me in the church, and I tried to start a small group, and only six people came. I said, six people came? We started this church with six people. You can do something with six people. Come on. Don't despise small beginnings. And by the way, that fruitful time, that time is the time to observe, the time to evaluate, the time to adjust, the time to make mistakes and learn from them. Do you want to make them when you're small and learn? The time to test things out and try different approaches, the time to see what works best. If you don't deal with the bad habits, but when you're small, you'll only multiply bad habits. Now let's talk about this on the church level and the personal level. By the way, before you can lead others, you've got to first lead yourself. Before you can manage others, you've got to manage yourself. Before you can help others be fruitful, you've got to be fruitful yourself. That's why we don't ask just anybody to lead or teach in in the church. We don't look for perfect people. There aren't any perfect people. We do look for fruitful people. Last time I told you we look for faithful people. Here's two major things you look on, look for. If you're hiring people, remember these two things. Faithful and fruitful. Faithful is character. You want people of character. You want people you can trust. You don't, you don't want to have to be there all the time watching them to make sure they're working. You want faithful people. They show up. They show up on time. They show up with a good, good attitude. But they're also fruitful. There's lots of people who show up but don't work. What'd you do this all this all today? Well, you know, I had a thing at home and I had a Facebook update I had to do and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. What did I pay you to do today? Show me some results. Show me some fruit. You want to see faithfulness and you want to see fruitfulness. That's what we always look for. Then we look for that here at church. You don't want to multiply unfruitfulness. And we look for a level of maturity or we multiply immaturity. And so that, that's the way we operate. That's why 1 Timothy 5.22 says, do not lay hands on anyone hastily. He's not talking about praying for people there. He's talking about ordaining for people for ministry. In fact, the New Living Translation says, never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. By the way, if you're, if, you, if you're in a hiring position, always remember this. It's way easy to hire, way easier to hire than fire. Way 
Take your time. Get it right. I know sometimes we just settle for, you know, what's the qualifications? Well, do you have a pulse? <laughs> you breathing? You're qualified. But at some point, that's going to change. Don't be in a hurry. And in the church, it's because of the impact that leaders have on others. That's why James 3.1 says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I know for a fact God's going to judge me more stricter than you. Because I'm standing up here in front of all y'all and everybody who's online saying, here's the word of the Lord. I better be sure it's the word of the Lord. Why are they judged more strictly? Because the way they, they impact more people. Luke 6.40 says, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like his teacher. You teach what you know, you reproduce who you are. That's why you need to be fruitful before you multiply. That's why it's so important in your family that you work on changing yourself before you work on trying to change your spouse or your children. They're watching your life. They're examining your fruit. And sometimes our lives are shouting so loud people can't hear the words that we say. What kind of fruit is being produced in your life? Here's how you know. Life has a way of squeezing us. And when we're squeezed, our fruit is either sweet or bitter. What comes out of you when the squeeze is on, when the pressure's on? Is it something sweet or is it something bitter? Is it complaining, whining, moaning, and groaning, or is there still praise to the Lord and faith that God has got us through it before and he's going to get us through, through again? What comes out of you? And you got to have the fruit of the Spirit in your lives. Those fruit are found in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so many people, especially in Spirit-filled churches, they emphasize the gifts of the Spirit but neglect the fruit of the Spirit. Nothing worse than a so-called spirit-filled Christian with no spirit fruit in their life. See, gifts are given. Fruit's grown. It takes time. It takes work. It takes the Holy Spirit in your life. It's a process of growing in you. The process of you having faith, planting seeds, believing God, moving out, and growing in it. And the gifts of the Spirit are manifestations of God, God's power, but the fruit are the manifestations of God's character. And God wants to grow, have both of those in our life. Our part is to receive the gifts and to grow the fruit. And that fruit can, seen in the character, it can see, be seen in, in Jesus. And, and the Holy Spirit wants to put that fruit in us and work it out into us. Listen, our spouse needs a Christ-like husband or wife. Our children need Christ-like parents. It's an eye-opening day, the day you realize, these kids are just like me. <laughs> Lord God, help me, Lord, I pray for these kids. <laughs> My daughter's back there, she probably don't remember this because she was a little kid, but I, I used to turn into another guy when I was driving. <laughs> Not sweet, gentle, peaceful Pastor Joe. But NASCAR Joe. <laughs> and you're not cutting in front of me. 
You're not cutting me off. I don't know. And I'd be raising my fist at people, you know. And back then we had saying like, where'd you get your driver's license in a Cracker Jack box? You know, some of y'all don't even know what that means, but, you know. <laughs> and one day I was driving and my kids were yelling at people and going like this at them. And like, what? Y'all better stop that. Where did y'all learn that? <laughs> they said, from you. And I learned right then. You better be fruitful before you multiply. Listen, I'm serious about that. <laughs> before you have any children, go to deliverance, go to healing, go to, I'm telling you, one of the reasons we have premarital counseling, we, 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 we have people fill out a family history, and we're looking for patterns. We're looking for patterns in your family. Is there alcohol in your family? Is there sex abuse in your family? What, what is, there, is there depression? Whatever the issue is, we're looking for that because there are, there are, there are generational curses and sins of the fathers that, that get passed down, and somebody's got to break them off at some point. Somebody got to stand up and say, no, that fruit, that bad fruit stops here. It's not going on another generation. It's stopping here. It's stopping now. I'm not passing it on to my children. I'm not going to multiply that curse. I'm not going to multiply that bad fruit. I'm going to see the good fruit of God grown in their lives in Jesus' name. My sermon is not done, but I'm stopping there because that's a good place to stop. In Jesus' Stand to your feet and give the Lord some praise. What fruit is in your life? I mean, you're bearing some fruit. Now, all of us are a mixture, right? I mean, but, but that mixture ought to be getting purer and purer. You know what I mean? If you're still, you know, 10% Holy Spirit and 90% you, you know, the Holy Spirit's too diluted. Fruit of the Spirit's too diluted. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. You might need prayer to, about the fruit in your life. It could be a lack of fruit, a lack of productivity, a lack of results. I'm trying everything and nothing seems to be working. I can't get ahead. Pray with me. It could be I got an issue in my life that's bearing bad fruit. I, I need to deal with that. I need to deal with that. I need to deal with that addiction. I need to deal with that thought. I need to deal with that stronghold. I need to deal with that sin. I need to deal with that attitude. I see it coming up in my kids now. I need to, I need to stop it. You may need to pray for children. You may need to pray for a prodigal. You may need to pray for wisdom in a business. What do I do next to grow? What do I do next to grow in my personal life? You can come down here and pray at this altar. You can come and pray with these Godly men and women, we'd love to pray with you. Thanks so much for being here today. We're going to sing one more song, and then we'll be dismissed. <laughs>